Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. We're here to discuss the Oklahoma Sooner 66 to 17 beatdown of the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. I'm Bobby Howard, joined by Ty Lee. Ty, how are you doing, man? Good. It was a really good weekend for OU football. It was a big weekend of, of upsets and close calls throughout college football, even against really weak opponents. So really exciting to see the Sooners pull through and take care of business, leave no doubt out there on the field on Saturday, and uh, excited to roll into Big 12 play, sort of, against a new opponent coming up next week. Yeah, it is weird to say. We're we're finally done with non-conference uh, competition, and now we're playing Cincinnati, you know, as is. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just kind of funny, because to me, Big 12 play is always like a return to tradition and all this, and starting it at Nippert Stadium. That's going to be... Uh, pretty cool but um hey look before we get started i just wanted to thank everyone uh who's joining us live on youtube uh, and feel free to get those questions going in the comments we'll be happy to answer them throughout the show and uh yeah don't forget to like and subscribe if you haven't done that yet um and if you're joining the next day on your favorite podcasting app i uh, wanted to welcome you all as well so um yeah ty it was a really strong performance um you did exactly kind of what you need to do against a bad opponent much like what we saw against uh, arkansas state a uh, little less so against SMU because I kind of think SMU is pretty good. Um, but here we are, week three, week three games in, three and zero. Oh. Does this feel a little bit different to you than last year? Uh, obviously, things kind of went off the cliff after that. But uh, I don't know. What have you seen through the, these uh, first three games that make you think it's different, or is it just kind of more the same? What do you think? Yeah, so I think it feels very different, and I think the the context to that really is important. I think the numbers are there as well, but the context, right? The expectation is that we always start 3-0, and especially with the way that a lot of our scheduling works out. So last year, we didn't really know. We were still feeling things out. And then obviously last year turned out to be a, a bit disappointing in terms of what OU fans were expecting. So this year, the context for me at least is coming off of just bad year last year, and it seems like we're getting our feet about ourselves now. We're starting to figure out this program, figure out what our personality as a team is going to be under Venables. And I think that this 3-0 and start feels better than last year's. I think there's not a whole lot that you can really you know, point to, but at the same time, we haven't really played anyone yet. Yeah, and I think overall it just looks and feels crisper than it did last year. Um, if you the offense, I feel like is one that a lot of people will point to because, uh, you know, Dylan Gabriel has physically been better um, and looks more comfortable. But the defense as well is more attacking, more aggressive, um, and just looks they, they look more comfortable in Venable's uh, scheme. So I would say it definitely feels different, feels better. Uh, obviously, going to get a pretty big test this weekend, going on the road to a pretty hostile environment in Cincinnati. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, you know, we've certainly, and we'll get, we'll talk more into Cincy, uh, you know, later, but I mean, we've certainly been in situations where, you know, team loses bad game. They shouldn't have lost. And then you go in on the road, big game, you know, and, uh, naturally that team is, you know, the next week instantly much better. So we'll see how that goes, but. Yeah, I think this this year's OU team would beat last year's 35 to 24, something like that. I, I think that's a fair that's that's how I'm feeling about them right now. Obviously, we can go on whole tangents on that, but that's that's sort of my analysis of, of where we're at as a team compared to last year, coupled out with a little bit of an easier schedule. And I'm very optimistic for the year ahead. Cautiously, but optimistic. You would feel like the team like this version of the team would do what would, would, would iron out mistakes that the other team would make you know last year i feel like there were missed opportunities missed occasions that made the difference in a lot of things and i mean look at the tail of the tape we lost a lot of games by three points uh or less and you know those mistakes add up and i feel like this team the, the little things kind of take them to a different level but let's talk about a guy who is really um, in my opinion, raised his game the past uh, that I feel like you can tell this guy has changed. Uh, and we're going to move on to uh, talking about the game, 
the we're starting with the offense and we're starting with Dylan Gabriel, who had an absolute massive showing against Tulsa, five touchdowns, 421 yards. A uh, he, he was 28 for 31, which actually I believe uh, the University of Oklahoma put this out. That set a single game school record for pass completion percentage by one player, minimum 25 attempts. So a historic day in terms of uh, efficiency from Gabriel. He had a 98.4 QBR as well. Um, again, I, I do not think Tulsa was very good. Uh, their passing defense is one of the weakest parts about them from what we've kind of heard. Uh, and I mean, Gabriel just completely dissected him. Same with Jackson Arnold later down the line. We can chit chat about that as well. But what a what a massive offensive uh, performance out of Gabriel. Yeah, for sure. I think as we get into it, it's going to be the opposite of one of the big talking points on Dylan Gabriel or on Jackson Arnold. But what we saw from Dylan Gabriel, I think, is someone who really fits into this offense well when we do it correctly. We understand that he has his limitations here and there. There's no reason to get into that at this point. What we saw is that when you use him within his capabilities, he can be extremely successful. And it's on you know, Levy and it's on the team and the system itself to utilize him as best as we can within his capabilities. And yes, you know, Tulsa, not a great opponent interception. That's a tough look. There was, you know, these, these, all of these incompletions were, I, I mean, there were some tough looks uh, there for why was that thrown that way, but you cannot complain when you have a stat line like this, he went out, did what he needed to do more or less against this opponent. And we're just continuing to ramp up into more challenging opponents. I think it's very good for him to get his confidence about him, to build these stat lines, to maybe tell some of the doubters, say, hey, you know, pay attention a little bit. We can clean things up. This is what you need to do in a game like this. Did it. Again, interception, but not a whole lot to nitpick. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, and Jameson, I believe, nitpicked it on his uh, post game. You know, it was like that was a horrible pick because it was bad pick. Um, I believe that was actually the only drive he had that didn't end in a, in a score, uh, weirdly enough. So, that, yeah, and that's that's my thing is playing within himself, playing within the offense is absolutely the right thing for Gabriel to do. And it's it, they clearly were able to do that uh, against Tulsa, which I, I, I mean, I, I thought it was great. I, th I thought this was the best version of what Dylan Gabriel can be, just efficient, sharp, you know, not going too far out of out of his range, but staying aggressive, staying, um, staying focused, and being like I'm going, being decisive. He's he is, he was not indecisive. He could decide, uh, as as uh, you know, some folks. It's a nice little Sean Kingston reference. Had to had to weave it in there, but um, yeah, Gabriel I thought was was very sharp, very good. Uh, obviously, as defensive defenses give him tougher looks. That'll be obviously a totally different situation, um, but no, he. I thought he was he was definitely uh, excellent. Yeah. Uh, when well. when you don't, know. yeah, when you don't have to roll through your progressions because every option is open on most plays, it is a little easier to make the correct decision when you have a lot of correct answers. But again, no reason to knock him. This is went out, did what he needed to do, and I think we're continuing to take steps in the right direction. And uh, I think he might still have some learning left uh, to do, which is a good thing, right? It's a good thing that he's still capable of learning and, and developing his game. So really, really good to see. Absolutely. Uh, and last note I'll put on on Gabriel, uh, per, per, per George Stoya of Scooter Scoop, um, he put together this pretty solid comparison of uh, DG through uh, three games in 2022 and 23. Uh, in 22, he was 66.6%. .6%, uh, you know, completion with uh, 759 yards, seven TDs, and zero picks. That bumped up to 82.5 percent, 905 yards, 11 touchdowns, and one pick. So, it really, I think, to me, yards, whatever, touchdowns, whatever. But that percentage rate, you know, him versus, you know, three teams that weren't very good in 22, three teams that weren't good in 23. He still, he he did he he performed well. Um, the efficiency is there that it wasn't quite there. The third down strengths were, are there that weren't quite there last year. And I think that those issues that we saw in 22 that never got ironed out are kind of getting ironed out. Um, and we definitely saw that early in 22, 
and it continued to through 23. I think this is one that um, showing that that's showing growth that I think also will continue just as you know those uh, problem areas uh, also continued uh, throughout the season. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, look, there will be times down the road with Gabriel where I think we'll have some moments where we're really upset with a performance here and there. And I think it, you know, there's a high potential for those times to be the times where because of the game situation or because of, you know, some sort of other, you know, perceived desperation or something else, we try to use him in a manner that's just not fitting with, with his skill set. And, uh, you know, it can happen. There's a whole lot of other things that play into that, like the receivers, again, the game situation, but he has certainly taken a, a big leap forward, I think, from where he was, even at the end of last year. This this offseason, you know, obviously maybe a little bit easier opponents when it comes to pass defense, especially Arkansas State and uh, this Tulsa team. But, yeah, it's there's no way that you can massage these numbers to tell you a story that's not he's taken a massive step forward. Yeah, which is which is good. Um, now let's talk about the receivers a bit because I feel like that was something that we talked about last week as being a deficiency, being like, yeah, the receiving game just wasn't quite there. You know, we didn't see a lot of the diversity, a lot of the uh, impact players that we saw in the first game. You know, they didn't really show up for the second. They showed up big for this game against Tulsa. And let's start with the uh, three-touchdown man himself, Nick Anderson. Three receptions, three touchdowns. Uh, perfect ratio right there, 120 yards. Uh, massive performance. Uh, we've heard a lot about him in the offseason, about how he's been great, how, how well he's been, and how he can be a, a pretty solid uh, playmaker. That is That right there is a stat line of an absolute play, playmaker right there. Yeah, this is, I think, exactly what we wanted to see from Nick Anderson specifically. Uh, we're looking at a guy who is not going to be WR1 or 2, uh, maybe not even 3, depending on how this year pans out this year. But we're talking about a guy who has very high potential to be the top receiver on this team in a few years as he continues to develop. And this was a very, very good game. I think it's very important to have big confidence boosters like this early in someone's career. Get this, you know, a hat trick. Three touchdowns on three receptions is an impressive stat line, but a lot of people can get that on those two, three yards. When you've got three touchdowns, three receptions, 120 yards, that's very impressive. You're doing the right things. Again, pretty simple opponent, but this is exactly what we need to see from him. I hope it's a big confidence booster and it shows, you know, anyone watching tape on Oklahoma, anyone looking forward to Oklahoma in the years to come. This is a guy that is going to add some depth into our room this year and could be a, a very, very dangerous threat in years to come. Oh, absolutely. I mean, all of his touchdowns I thought were really good, but the one that has to make you excited was the one he got from Jackson Arnold. Just an absolute perfect dime. Um, beautiful route, beautiful touchdown. That one, it's like, ah, oh, this is this could be the start of something special. So that was pretty great. Um, Jalil Farouk uh, followed up his kind of his solid performance against SMU, uh, who you know he came out, had great moments against uh, the, the Mustangs there. I thought he had a pretty good game as well here. Uh, six receptions, 126 yards, and a touchdown. Um, and got off to a rough, rough start, had that really good return, which ended in a fumble to start the game off. But Jeff Levy went right back to him, uh, which I love when a guy makes a mistake, give him the rock some more, get be like, Hey, get over it. You got it. Let's get you in rhythm again. Um, but Farouk, very, very big performance as well. Uh, and he's sh uh, definitely shaping up to be one of the prime targets for the Sooners here. Yeah, he, that was a great return. Yeah, fumble, you know, there's some chance in that. And then obviously ball security is was an issue on that play. But I think he had a, a very, very good game. Anytime you get six targets, you know, that's it sounds like a low number, but that's a good number of targets. These were, you know, he had to grind for all these yards, was more of a, a utility receiver than, you know, look at his, his numbers compared to Nick Anderson. A uh, little bit different employment there, even though they ended up with sort of similar yardage numbers. I think Farouk is starting to find his his place in the team. I think he benefited greatly. Here comes my uh, very famous, it's good to be a WR2 sort of take, or it's good to be 
a receiver that has some skill, but maybe isn't the big flashy guy that's going to draw the DBs over. Farouk was able to really benefit and slide in that niche when uh, Andrew Anthony and Drake Stoops were on the field or out there, you know, that draws the defense's attention. It's very, very good and important for your depth that you have a third or fourth guy, you know, that can go and get open and still be a big threat. And that's really what we're seeing from Farouk in addition to being able to do some returns. So yeah, really, really solid game for him as well. I could see some teething troubles maybe later in the year with, with tougher opponents, but yeah, very good game. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of um, Andrew Anthony, hell of a performance uh, as well. You know, 112 yards on four receptions. Didn't make a graphic for him. Uh, that just shows you how good the wide receiver group did when you have 100, 112 yards on four catches and uh, you, you don't you don't make the uh, visual uh, set up. But honestly, let's be real. Uh, had a long had a drive back from Tulsa today, so I was a little bit tired on the graphics. So. Uh, my apologies to uh, Andrew Anthony there, but who did get a graphic, uh, Drake Stoops. Uh, this is a proper, just solid Stoops game. Eight receptions, 50, 53 yards. If you look at that, that's not that doesn't seem flashy, but it came, but it but it came in moments that mattered, uh, resulting in two touchdowns as well. So Drake Stoops, very workmanlike, very like this is what you what what Drake Stoops just does. He makes these little short catches when you really need it, and he scores touchdowns. Yeah, Drake Soup's very narrowly missed out on a hat trick himself. Um, unfortunately, just that third one, I think he was about a half yard short, and then we scored very shortly after on, on the ground, I believe. But, yeah, Drake Soup's had a, a tremendous game. Again, two touchdowns, nothing to scoff at, but when you look at those numbers, eight targets and 53 yards, it does seem a bit less impressive than – you know, the previous two guys that had a graphic and then Andrew Anthony as well. But I think Stoops was a pretty firm wide receiver one on most of the plays that he was out there and uh, and running a route. You can tell that he is the first look. Um, you know, sometimes Andrew Anthony, obviously maybe something a little deeper, he, he gets the first look. But yeah, Stoops always out there, always getting open, continuing to do what he's done this entire time that he's been at Oklahoma. But, you know, he's just continued to improve. Very impressive game. And uh, like you touched on, it, it was more when it mattered. He's not a you know a garbage time player, not that anyone was in this game. But I expect to see Drake Stoops put up similar performances as the opponents continue to get more difficult because that's just what we've seen from him in years past. You know, no matter who you're playing, this is what you're going to get from him. And he's such an asset to the team. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I, I, as, as the years have progressed, he's just gotten more and more – you know, responsibility and, you know, respect. And, you know, he, he is, he is just such an anchor for, for this offense, for this team. And yeah, he's just, he's, he's excellent. There's not a lot of, it's hard to come up with new ways to talk about how great Drake Stoops is because just, <laughs> just like he, he is like his game overall, you know, it's just reliable. It's standard. You know, exactly what you're getting. It's great. Is it flashy? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he's flashy, but it's, it's great. And I enjoy it. So, uh, Happy, happy, uh, happy for that performance for Drake right there in the Tulsa. Um, all right, let's move on to a unit that I don't want to say struggled, but it didn't impress. Uh, the running back room, um, interesting setup. Uh, no Tui Walker, no uh, Marcus Major. Not sure if that was an injury thing or if they just wanted to uh, kind of shift. It, we have a, it's a big room, a lot of a lot of mouth mouth speed, a lot of carries to dish out, and. Look, Levy said he was going to activate, you know, Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck, and he did. Uh, 13 carries for Barnes on 68 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Sawchuck had nine carries for 25 yards and one TD. Then got a little Dalen Smothers action, two carries, 20 yards. So not a flashy, remarkable, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't say this is like a great running back game, but it was really good to see them kind of see, see Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck get a little bit of burn uh, when they've been mostly – mostly MIA through the first, uh, the prior two games. Yeah. I mean, it. this is one of those where it, it's almost, it's challenging to talk about, right? Cause we got a couple of touchdowns and that's, you want your running game to be there for those situations where you need to go scoop up a little touchdown on the ground after, you know, for example, that Drake Stoops just caught just, just short of the goal line. Um, at the same time, it, we were getting about 4.3 yards per carry on average throughout the game, which isn't necessarily bad, but against, you know, a team like Tulsa, you would expect a little bit more. 
Um, and really, this running game comes down to, I just don't understand. You know, I don't understand why we didn't see uh, Walker and, and Major out there. Um, is it like a load management thing? Like we've determined that those are one and two and, and we're just not going to put carries on them. I mean, that, that would make sense if that were the case, but we just don't know. Um, are we continuing to sort of feel out who was able to do what? Or is it really just that deep that this is just how the effort in practice or, or whatever else has panned out and these guys were getting the carries this week? It really is just so, so challenging to say. And then at the same time, I, I think that confusion for me at least transfers over to our game plan. I don't really feel like we're employing them in the best manner. When it comes to the running backs, obviously what we're doing is working. We're putting up a lot of points on people. We're winning games. So there's not a whole, you know, but there's not a big emphasis to change there. But it, it does feel like I would like to see our running game much more established. You know, I, I don't want to see us play an opponent like Tulsa. And again, hard to nitpick the offense when you put up over 60 points. But we had just barely over 100 yards on uh, almost 30 carries. So it's uh, really, I just, I don't know. And the running game, right, we'll talk about Jackson Arnold here in a second because there's some big, big question marks for me uh, that have to do with Jackson Arnold in the running game as well. Yeah, it, it well, we definitely need to get to that. And um, we will in a second. I, but, man, uh, it's one of those where it's like you would love to see a, a couple breakout runs that just ne never really materialized. It shouldn't be this ground and pound against the Tulsa team that, you know, just isn't that remarkable. Uh, they're a little bit better at run, run defense, but it's also Tulsa and probably should break out a little bit more. But overall, it didn't harm the overall flow of the offense, so it's hard to complain about, I guess. Um, I, I, yeah. I thought it was good seeing Barnes and Sawchuck in rhythm. That was, that was fine. It's not a concern because, again, I think we're still going pretty vanilla overall. Uh, got a little bit spicier. Uh, I think Levy heard everyone complain about how a vanilla the offense was, so he shifted some stuff in, but got a little too weird at times. That's fine. Um, but yeah, the running game, uh, I thought it was interesting. It just, like you said, difficult to talk about and kind of base. But we can talk about something that is not very difficult to talk about. And that's uh, Jackson Arnold, the Arnold Belldozer package, the, the Jack. And uh, I, 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 someone's called someone's called it the Jackhammer. What a Honestly, we need to stop putting all the effort into naming it because it should just be dead. It should, you need to throw it in the trash. It does not work. He is not Blake Bell. He is he, he's just not that type of runner, and that's fine. And I know you want to get him involved. I think he's a great player. I I, I enjoy Jackson Arnold. Anytime I see him, it makes me happy because I know that I know the future is going to be great. But please stop just just do it. Doesn't work for the offense. The flow of the offense just completely gets disrupted with it. I don't think it's good for him as a as a you know as an athlete to just shove him into all the piles. I think that you put him in physical risk, and it just does it doesn't work from any perspective. I don't like it at all. It's time to get rid of it. Yeah, I again, it's so confusing to me because he's not Blake Bell. Like this is the the running game with the running backs. I am going to give the benefit of the doubt because what we're doing is very much working. Maybe we are, you know, playing a master plan. We're holding all our cards. We're not putting loads on our main guys and we're not burning any plays on tape. And then when we show up, you know, to, to Dallas in October, we have a monster running game with all sorts of plays that no one's ever seen. And we have fresh legs out there to carry them out you know, benefit of the doubt there. But with Jackson Arnold, that's just not the case. He's not a running quarterback. He is bigger and more durable than Dylan Gabriel, but he's not a big, you know, durable guy right now. He's not someone that we should be using like this. It really doesn't make sense to me to use him like a hammer like we are, because like you said, just injury risk. And, and I think, you know, this is, this is a far-fetched one, but I think there is some transfer risk. And nowadays, you know, in, in college football nowadays, I think there could be people in his ear saying, hey, look, at you know, you want to play for this offensive coordinator. The fan base has already kind of turned on this guy. People are saying he's vanilla. He doesn't really have a, a big track record of blah, 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 blah. And then, look, he just wants to run you up the middle all the time and give you concussions and, and hurt your arm and stuff. Come to Boulder, you know, and play for me or come to Los Angeles and play for me. Well, you know, win you a Heisman or 
you know, whatever else, at least we'll keep you safe. We're not going to run silly plays and you can get some cool highlights and stuff. That is a factor in nowadays uh, college football environment. So, yeah, but at the same time, when we employed him properly within his skill set and, and what we should be using him for, because the other thing is, oh, let's get Jackson Arnold some game time. Let's not worry about a red shirt this year. Makes a ton of sense if we let him pass, if we let him get reps that actually matter, right? We can't put him in on these weird setups where he's like lined up as a receiver or something and we're going to feign a, a trick play or maybe it could go to either person or just these like fake belldozer packages. Those are insignificant repetitions, right? You can't just go out there and practice anything and expect to get, you know, you can't go practice recorder and then get better at, at piano. So, yeah, like that's not going to help him at, at QB1. He's not going to do that, you know, when, when he has you know, QB1 responsibilities. And I, I think your point about, you know, the transfer rules is interesting. I, I think in a, I, I see it in like almost like a like a flipped version of that where because Arnold and uh, Levy have such a good relationship that I wonder if part of it's like, Arnold's like, hey man, I want to play. <laughs> Just put me out wherever you want me to do, but I want to be involved or else I'm going to get, you know, impatient. Uh, which is also a bad idea because you shouldn't be, you know, uh, running packages just to make a player happy. But again, you know, hey, it's 2023 in college football, so you got to do what you got to do. So maybe that maybe that could be the case. I I don't know. Regardless, it doesn't make any sense. They need to stop it. So um, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on the offense uh, before we move to game balls? No, I mean, realistically, this is, I'm, I'm very happy with where we're at as an offense. I think the entire fan base should be, if you keep your expectations realistic, very, very happy uh, going into, you know, mid last year. And then at the end of last year, I never would have guessed that Dylan Gabriel would be where he's at as a player right now. Obviously it can change with tougher opponents, but I'm, I'm very happy to see where the offense is at. I don't even think we really even touched on, on the O-line. Um, is some of our could they could they be causing some of our running issues? I don't know. Obviously, those are always things that are linked. But the O line also, we haven't had a ton of big issues, things like pre-snap penalties and everything else uh, to a crazy extent, which is really really good for where we're at right now. Obviously, they haven't faced a whole lot of challenge. They've uh, they've outsized like every line that they've faced by a pretty significant margin. Uh, at least for now, but yeah, nothing to complain about it. I think on the, on the O-line either. Which is a good thing. You know, you, I, I feel like the O-linemen, you know, they, when they're doing their best, you kind of don't think about them, you know, because it's not an issue. Uh, so I, I think they, I think they did pretty solid. Um, I think overall, if you wanted to complain about anything, it's like, and they probably just went into super, you know, chill, protect, you know, pass pro mm -hmm. type of, you know, yeah. Uh, strategy I, I don't think they were trying to you know really push dudes downfield uh all that much um i yeah. i thought i thought they did great i thought they did great yeah nobody um, nobody talks about the roof until it springs a leak you know oh yeah that, that is true exactly but the roof does a good job it's very important <laughs> but when it springs a leak you know like you said all, all hell breaks loose so uh who's your game ball for today or yesterday I got to go, you know, obviously I, I want to give it to Drake Stoops uh, because that's just what I default to. I'm going to go, this is not, you know, a crazy one, but I'm going to go Nick Anderson, hat trick and, you know, getting receptions from multiple quarterbacks, really showing out, really stepping up for the first time this year uh, to show that he is going to be a, a threat to some teams down the road. Love to see that. Yeah. Nick, Nick Anderson absolutely gets the, like, that was the most impressive performance, I think. Like I was, that was that was great for for as little as we've seen him overall. Like that is a performance. It's like I'm here. I'm gonna be really good, um, and that's I mean very exciting stuff to say the least. But for me, if I had to pick a proper 100, this guy was the best player on the field uh, offensively. It was it was Dylan Gabriel. Um, you know, just re record setting performance throwing throwing the ball, um, you know, in terms of his efficiency at OU. Um, and outside of that bad interception, he was just as good as, he, as good as it gets for Dylan Gabriel. I think this was probably, probably one of his best performances at OU, if not his best. Um, so just a, just a great, great big time performance from DG there. So hopefully that continues on into conference play, to say the least. 
for sure. All right. Awesome. Those are our game balls. Let's move on to the defense. So this was an interesting one because it was boombastic. Uh, just an absolute... I, I don't know why I said boombastic. Oh my god. It's bombastic. <laughs> but... I, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been screwed. That that song screwed me up. It's not even, it's not even Sean Kingston. I just, it just randomly came into my head. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, de- defense absolutely uh, electric. Five interceptions. First time uh, an OU defense has had a five interception game since two thousand and three. Uh, they only allowed two hundred ninety ninety two yards, uh, fifteen tackles for loss, three sacks, but it wasn't perfect, which is. You know, we're a nitpicky season. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, it's it's non-conference, not a lot to dissect here. Couple couple blown plays. You know, seventeen points to that Tulsa offense. Not very great. Um, what were your what what are your thoughts on the defense, Ty? Yeah. First off, I I don't know why I think this is so funny, but I I still chuckle a little bit every time I, I think of it. Uh, some of you may have noticed if you watched on TV like I did. At one point, the announcers said that five interception stat, except they said it, it had been a, it's the first five interception game that OU has had in 22 years since 2003. And I just thought that was hilarious that they didn't know that 23 minus three is not 22. But um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it was a very, very good game. I, I feel like when the defense had issues, it wasn't necessarily a fundamental flaw with the defense. I think it was a matter of we backed off too far on, you know, in certain moments and then realized like, okay, we need to maybe not back off, let off the gas that much when it comes to just how we're going to run, you know, the plays. I know in the notes, Bobby, you had mentioned something about uh, some zone issues potentially. I think that's, that's certainly for sure, but an absolutely electric performance. I mean, when you look at the fight, the final score and, and the stat lines here, you know, five interceptions. Whenever you create five turnovers, like that is huge. You know, the defense put points on the board. That is huge, huge, huge. And then just great, great pressure. Obviously, you know, these Tulsa quarterbacks really struggled and this Tulsa O-line really struggled. You see that with 15 tackles for loss and uh, and three sacks. I mean, almost 20 plays where you're putting up negative yards on them is, is huge as well. But yeah absolutely electric performance. And I personally, I didn't see issues with the defense. I just saw us getting a little too complacent, a little too early and uh, you know, allowed them to put some points on the board. Yeah. I think you're, you've nailed it. Uh, complacency was like kind of the biggest issue of the defense at times, which is, you know, not a bad problem to have sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're winning and you know, it's Tulsa. Yeah. Uh, definitely a couple lulls there. Um, after OU really, you know, just completely came out of the gates firing. Uh, obviously, Tulsa did have a quarterback change um, strategically, uh, which changed things. And it's Kevin Wilson who, you know, he, he he's an offensive guy. He his bread and butter is that, and he's probably just as familiar with Brent Venables' defense as anybody because he was going up against him on a day to day basis in practice. So you know. Uh, a lot of experience there. So I'm sure he had some stuff drawn up to, you know, make it respectable. I mean, it wasn't respectable at all 66 to 17, <laughs> but at least get on the damn board, uh, which, which they did. And I, I think you could tell that the defense was trying to get itself jazzed up at times. Um, I was at this game sitting in, um, in the end zone there. And there was one period of time where, you know, you could tell the energy was just kind of down and they all just kind of looked at the crowd and just started like trying to pump them at, pump everybody up, get that energy going. And it, and, and you could tell that when the crowd reciprocated, the defense looked different. Um, and I think once everything, you know, environment wise chilled out a little bit, that's when the complacency came in. But once it got loud again, they got fired up. Um, absolutely. Just a, a really fun chipper team. Um, Defensively, a lot of emotion, a lot of excitement. Danny Stutzman, mm-hmm. as usual, uh, was uh, at the center of that. Uh, and we'll get to him in a moment. Another great performance there. Loved the five picks, though. Uh, <laughs> and I love that two of them uh, or no, well, two of them were, weren't from, uh, you know, 
typical people who get picks. Danny Stutzman's pick six was great. A little sad Trace Ford didn't get his thick six. You know, he was he he was almost there, almost got that touchdown. But uh, you know, good to see good to see Kendall Dolby get some action. You know, Key Lawrence got one. Uh, but the Tulsa kid, Gentry Williams getting one, uh, that is just super awesome. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's cool when a guy has a lot of story going into it, you know, from Tulsa had that unfortunate incident in spring where he collapsed uh, or had had that event. Um, And to see him go back to his hometown and have a great performance like that, that was really cool, I thought. Yeah, and and on the topic of the picks, shout out to Reggie Pearson. He said, I'm going to go out there. I'm going out on defense. I'm going to find the ball carrier. I'm going to hit him. I don't care what team has the ball. I don't care if it's a pick and one of my teammates has the ball. I'm going to get (laughs) – you know, to the ball, I'm going to take an angle. I'm going to lay a hit down. Awesome play by Reggie Pearson uh, getting that tackle when we had intercepted it. Um, not much more you can ask for. He, he, he thought he was at Texas Tech there for a moment, I think. He just had, he was like, wait a second. <laughs> it, was, it was a funny moment, though. There's not, we're not trying to, you know, get on to yeah. it. It was just honest, honest mistake, funny moment. It was more of a, kind of turned around, didn't know what was going on, and then someone was running at him, and they just happened to collide, and he happened to, you know, get the shoulder down a little lower. I love the aggression Very at funny. all times, even when it accidentally uh, bites you in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to find the ball carrier, I'm going to take an angle, and I'm going to stop the play. That's so funny. Pearson was Pearson was good. I, I, I liked him. Uh, he did have a good game. Well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about Stutzman. So uh, fresh off his Walter Camp uh, Defensive Player of the Week award last uh, last week, another really great performance. Obviously, if you don't the tackle numbers aren't the same, which you know it shouldn't be, uh, if, <laughs> given the uh, offense we faced. Uh, nine tackles, four solos, one pick, and uh, two tackles for loss. I thought he was absolutely electric. Um, I thought it was kind of cool uh, given to watch this game from you know what I refer to as the Madden angle where you're right behind them. Uh, and you can just see how Stutzman, you know, um, you know, orchestrates this defense. It's different. Um, you know, he was, you know, called out by Brent Venables last year a little bit as obviously risen to that challenge as a defender um, and as a leader. I just, you, you can just tell he's like, he, he might, and I'm going to say this, Ty, and I want to ask you this. Is he the best player on the team? Because I kind of think he is. Mm, I, I mean, that's hard to quantify. I, I think when you're talking about someone just holistically, right? It's like, think about it as a sort of a work environment. Is he the the pure best at just his role? I don't know if you can say yes, but you certainly can't say no. But at the same time, his, his presence, like he's a leader on the field, he, you know, just coordinates and, and carries things out above and beyond just his position group. So I think, I think you can make a pretty, pretty fair argument that he is, I mean, someone, a better, just pure athlete or something else. People can split hairs either way, but I, I think you can make a, a very, very good argument that would support the case that he in fact is the, the best player on this team. I mean, just look at that, that interception in, in this game. Obviously, we played, you know, not great quarterbacks in this game, but that was a pro-level interception. Like, that was not, you know, something that just ended up hitting him in the chest. He happened to catch it. Like, that was a very, very, very smart, heads-up, super athletic, super quick-thinking reaction. You could tell that he watched his tape. That was a very, very, very good play. Um so, yeah, I, I think you can make a very fair argument that he might be the best player on this team as of now. Yeah. I, I mean, defensively, you know, especially, I, I, I think so. And it's always it's always tricky to figure out, you know, who's the best player on the team when you have two sides of the ball, obviously. That's, you know, you, you, impossible to compare uh, Dylan Gabriel uh, to Danny Stutzman. They could not be any more different. Um, but, you know, in terms of in terms of a leader – in terms of just being he he's at if he's not the best player on the team it, it would be hard to find someone better and look we, we can't not talk about uh Stutzman without bringing up his uh flop have you have you did you see this on uh social media or I, I I don't know if it was on TV or not but uh 
this is genuinely I got I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah. Genuinely one of the funniest things I've I've seen out of him. Uh it happened in our end zone, so I, I caught it. But mm -hmm. uh I I'm so thrilled. Uh good old Eddie Radosovich uh of Sooner Scoop um reposted this because it was on I believe it was on uh, Stutzman's Instagram. Let's pull that back for a second. I mean, just look at look at how immaculate this flop is. <laughs> not you know, not only look, not only is it one a light push, but two just the delay, the hesitation, and then going into the little handstand flip. I mean, that's just perfect. It's just perfect right there. Look at that, pure, pure yeah, athleticism right there. That did not make the broadcast, but yeah, very, very, very good. Very funny. Um, but yeah, I, and I will say, you know, quick little advertisement for the schooner pod. I think we were telling people about him uh, before a lot of other OU media was for sure. I remember I, I brought him up a couple years ago in, uh, before he even really played. And I did this whole bit on how I thought he'd be really, really solid because I was watching, um, oh, what was it? Our old punter had those YouTube videos in the locker room, and he was talking about how this new Danny Stutzman guy was already becoming a leader on the team, and he hadn't even really played. He had he had not played in any games yet, or if he did, it was like garbage time stuff, and that's very, very impressive. You know, if you got a, a backup dude, dude that's not even getting any time, but it's starting to get some influence in the locker room. So, yeah, really, really happy to see that take uh, unfold very successfully. We've had some far out takes uh, or sort of early investment takes that have not panned out. Unfortunately, Marcus major might be an example of that, but it's not too late. Uh, but yeah, we are, we're keeping our eye on these guys early. Look, we've had diamond hands on Marcus major and it's going to finally pay off for us. I believe, I believe in your investment tie. I've, I've sprinkled a little bit of my, uh, my fake schooner pod stock. My a couple of a couple of my fleck coins I, I've put onto uh, Pro Marcus Major uh, this this year because I think he's been pretty solid, especially out of the backfield. Um, let's talk a little bit more about uh, some other parts of the defense. I thought overall the linebackers were pretty solid. Um, any any concerns about the defensive line not really creating a ton of pressure? Because once again, we did see where um, the D line wasn't you know exactly living in Tulsa's backfield. It was a lot of, um, we had a lot of tackles for loss, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a dominant performance. It was just pretty all right. Are are you concerned about that? Not about uh, about them being unable to uh, create pressure once we hit conference play and we play some bigger, tougher offensive lines? Yeah, I, I would say my thoughts are sort of similar to the running back room. It, it's just, it's really hard to tell. I, I just don't know. Um, level of opponents that we've faced so far is, is certainly a factor, but you would say, oh, I expect us to really be putting up highlight reels against the level of opponents that we've played so far. I, I don't, you know, are we being super conservative with them in, in the game plan? I'm not necessarily sure because obviously D-line is a very skilled position. It requires a ton of skill to play that position. Uh, but at the same time, like fundamentally, they're doing more or less the same thing on every play. Uh, so it's not like we can really play conservative. Like the D line is not playing zone. You know, we're not we're not putting the D line in <clears throat> like a deep zone. Sorry about that. But so it it really is. It, it's one of those I just don't know because it hasn't necessarily been a problem. Obviously, I could see it turning into one maybe, but it's it's too soon to call. You would want something flashier, but maybe they just rise to the occasion of everyone that they face. There have been teams like that in the past, and we might see the you know same statistical performance that we saw against Tulsa against better teams down the road. It's just really can't tell at this point. That's true. That's you know that's kind of the hardest part of it is you have to kind of wait, figure it out as it goes on. But um, you know. Uh... I'm optimistic. I, I hope as the unit, because keep in mind, this is a pretty, you know, new to each other unit. You know, Trace Ford was playing at Oklahoma State last year. Rondell Bothroyd was at, uh, you know, Wake Forest. This is a this is a unit that needs a little bit of time to gel, figure itself out, um, and, you know, also learn, you know, just 
just just learn under uh, Todd Bates and crew. So I'm I'm not too worried yet. I mean, PJ Adebayo was in high school for God's sake. So um, yeah, it's it's gonna take a little bit of time, but I think I think I think I'm not I'm not hitting the panic button, but um, it's definitely something I'd circle as like mm, maybe maybe a little concerned. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else we can talk about other. Other linebackers, any any other linebackers stick out? Uh, I thought Kobe McKenzie, it was good seeing him. Kip Lewis, again, pretty solid game. Defensively, it's 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 always tricky whenever everybody has a pretty good game because it's hard to pick out standouts. Uh, it's hard to podcast about it because I feel like everyone was pretty solid. Um, uh, I thought I thought just in general, people were flying around and being ball hawks. You know, uh, Peyton Bowen, um, I don't think, did he get, I don't think he actually got a pick, but he got close. Uh, two pass or uh, pass deflections. He was all around the field. Yeah, I, I felt like just overall great, great performance. Yeah, it's one of those everything worked basically. Um, so it's very hard to point and say, oh yeah, this is you know this person very very good. This person um, you know wasn't so good because I, we weren't necessarily facing an opponent. We haven't yet that's going to really expose the potential cracks in this defense. And at the same time, there haven't really been a whole lot of opportunities, obviously interceptions, pick sixes, sacks, things like that. But there hasn't really been a moment for someone to be the big hero because when you are, you know, when Michael Jordan is in game seven, you know, of the playoffs and is able to throw down a a big dunk, uh, that's a little different than, you know, dunking on like a seven foot rim in your backyard or something like that, you know, so not, not to disrespect Tulsa or what this defense has done so far, but when everyone's dunking on the seven foot rim, it's very hard to tell who can and can't dunk in a clutch situation. So we'll just have to see. I I think there will be cracks that will be exposed. Unfortunately, there are some, you know, hot spots to watch like that D line, like we just touched on. And there are some, you know, things that we can point to and say, hey, I think, you know, Danny Stutzman's going to be a star. I think he's going to have his games like Kenneth Murray versus Army, where he just carries the team uh, defensively and, and helps eke out a win for us in a, in a close game potentially in the future. But it's it's just hard to tell right now uh, when we're playing on the low rim. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. And I think it'll change a little bit for Cincinnati. Um, we'll dive into them in a moment. But um, yeah, ready, ready to start uh, seeing this team in full action because, as we all know, you never really know until you get to the Big Twelve play. Uh, and even then, this year's Big Twelve play is not very, very uh, difficult. It's not the same, not the same system it used to be. The, the league feels a little down, but um, still excited to see COU in in real action, getting getting some more live bullets out there. I suppose. Um, anyways, uh, Ty, uh, who is your defensive game ball for this game? Yeah, I, I think we're going to have to go chalk. There's no way you can put it anywhere else but in Danny Stutzman's hands. I think if I tried to toss it to somebody else, he'd pick it anyways. So give me Danny Stutzman. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. I, I, It's so good. I'm, a, I'm omitting any description of why it's clearly <laughs> Danny Stutzman. Um, yeah, I can't I can't compete with, with, with that type. So, yeah, Stutzman for sure. Uh, this man is just – Un- unbelievable and if he can continue this against the big boys against you know teams like texas it seems like ucf i mean this this man is is going to be he, i guess in or i guess in atlanta you know wherever they have that espn you know uh award show for every for everyone so he's not gonna he's not gonna be in new york but i think i think <laughs> there's a chance we can see danny stutzman showing up at the i don't know chick-fil-a uh, college football awards presented by Allstate, presented by you know whoever Northwestern Mutual. I, I thought you had some sort of big vision, and you were seeing how this entire NFL season played out, and then a couple years down the road to calculate that Danny Stutzman was going to the Falcons. So <laughs> that would be, you know, you never know where I'm wrong. Playing with through the entire in your head. Yeah, just do the full Doctor Strange, just seeing like yeah, a few <laughs> seeing I, all possible outcomes and seeing that he ends up at the Falcons. 
I've seen 14 million outcomes and somehow we all he ends up in Atlanta and every one of them. I don't know. I don't know why. It's very random, but yeah, it's funny. So yeah, Stutzman, uh defensive game ball. Um love it, love it, love it, love it. All right, let's move. Uh, uh, let's move on. Uh, you know, we're recording this right now during the Patriots game, but you know what? It's on to Cincinnati. Uh the Bearcats two and one. Fresh off of a loss to Miami of Ohio. Deep rivalry, weirdly enough. Uh, I didn't know that, but apparently super old rivalry. Uh, but yeah, bad loss to Miami of Ohio. And stop if, stop if you've heard this before, Ty. OU goes 3-0 non-conference. We're excited. Things are different. The defense is fixed. OU's fixed. We're going to win. And then not only that, but this team we're playing this week just lost to a, a you know group of five opponent. They're probably going to be garbage. We've got this in the back. What could go wrong, Ty? Yeah, I don't know. I think Cincy, I think this OU team will seem like it has taken a big step back from the past couple of weeks. Not that Cincy is that tough of an opponent. Obviously, Cincinnati's pit win now looking maybe kind of questionable with that that pit team. And then, like you said, they just lost to a, a group of five opponent. I think a big thing to see... Uh, rolling into this year, and I think a lot of people have been sleeping on it, but all of these new Big 12 teams have, a, I think, a ton of motivation and a ton of desire to take out OU and Texas whenever they play them. I think a lot of them are seeing this as this is our one shot. They have just now arrived at the big show. You know, they've they've shown up in the Power Five. All of these teams that have come in, have been fighting, you know, tooth and nail to get into the Power Five for a long time. I think, arguably, you know, UCF and Cincinnati maybe could have done it uh, a little bit earlier, but these teams will BYU as well. But you know, I think there's going to be a really, really big desire from these teams to take a shot at OU and at Texas, and I think we're going to see a Cincinnati team that is very, very fired up, that is very prepared to play us. We're going to have to go into, into their house. And I think this is not a very good Cincinnati team this year. Uh, I think we're looking at, you know, I, I could see this team being six and six this year, but I just think that they're going to give OU a, a really, really good shot. We need to be on top of our game. I think we're going to have to pull out plays that we didn't have to pull out uh, previously. I think we can win this game by multiple scores, by multiple touchdowns. You know, not a 10-point field goal and a, and a touchdown. I think we can win by multiple touchdowns, but we're not going to be able to relax against this team is, is what I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, it It is a game where you can lose. Let's let's be upfront about that. You know, since he didn't show a ton um, last, last night against uh, Miami of Ohio, and, you know, we've been kind of down on him. Uh, not a big fan of Scott Satterfield, their new head coach. I, I think they've lost a ton. Um, this is not the same team that Luke Fickle had in the college football playoff. At the same time, we're everybody's Super Bowl. That's just how it is at Oklahoma. When you go on the road, you are everybody's Super Bowl. It is that for, for OU, and that's it's that for Texas. It's been like that in the past. It's different now. And for these teams like Cincinnati and I guess BYU is the only other one who – They've not, they don't get shots at Oklahoma at home. You know, as our good our, our good pal 1982 Boomer Sooner in the chat mentioned earlier, you know, the last time OU played Cincinnati, they had to put this one in Paul Brown Stadium, which is now Paycor Stadium, uh, the home of the, the Bengals, because their current stadium, Nippert Stadium, is way too small to host OU. So this is a massive, massive game for Cincy. It's their first Big 12 game. They're hosting OU. Like, this environment's going to be nuts. It's going to be early it's a noon it's a noon kickoff uh noon local for cincy um so we are avoiding the dreaded nip at night you know that is a thing uh yeah for real like the cincinnati and different stadium night games are apparently nuts so um yeah nip at night nip at night is is a thing we avoid it so that's that's great uh, but it is going to be an environment that will be tested. It's they're they're going to be uh, absolutely raucous, absolutely rowdy. Probably the biggest game in Cincinnati, uh, one of the biggest games in Cincinnati school history at home. I would have to say, just in <laughs> terms of like as a moment, this has to feel pretty big for them. They are in the they are in the big leagues now, so um, it's it's good for them. Uh, so they'll be they'll be hyped. The players will be hyped. 
And you just got to meet that. And that's that's a good thing. to That's a good pass to have early, to say the least. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's going to be a big – I think we saw, you know, it's a it's tough to make these comparisons. But, you know, I think we're going to see a game where, for the first time, we're going to see this Oklahoma team being tested with the potential for emotions to run high. Maybe I could see there being a lot of trash talk in this. I mean, I'm seeing this as a rivalry like experience uh, when you're talking about hostility and and sort of emotions running high. I I could really see that uh, unfolding. I could be completely wrong, but, and, and we're about to dive into maybe some more specifics on Cincinnati here, but yeah, just on the atmosphere, this is not, you know, I wouldn't look at this Cincinnati team as, oh, you know, they barely squeaked into the Big 12. They're kind of here just to get maybe a geographic presence in Ohio and look at their schedule. They've, you know, barely beat a not very great pit team, and then they lost to Miami of Ohio and all that. You know, this is this is going to be a, a really, really good challenge, I think, for us rolling into the year because they are a beatable team for sure. We should win this one. We can win this one pretty easily, but uh, we will see a little more emotional test and uh, a little more challenge in this one. Yeah. This is a test of how you can handle like big, big game atmospheres and how you can handle, you know, not being complacent, how you can handle continuing the small details all the time. Even when you're playing a team that just lost Miami of Ohio, you have to go all the way out because you know what? You're still not that far removed from the team that went six and seven. And you have to prove it every single day to keep climbing, keep building. And I, I'm i optimistic that OU will come out and have a great game, that they will show up and they will show out. Because, you know, I, 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 think, I think the lessons learned over that last year um, have been substantial. And I think and I hope that OU is going to be focused and come out and play phenomenally. Um, and you know, there are you. you. Go in. You you know what to do. You need to be focused. Be strong. You got this. Like oh you oh you can oh you can do this. Um, but yeah, let's take a let's take a quick little look at Cincy overall. Uh, oh you, you know, not exactly a big series. The Sooners are up two and zero on them all time. There's a home and home as I mentioned earlier in 2008, 2010, uh, 2008. That was the Bradford year. Both teams ended up actually pretty good. I believe Cincinnati made the Orange Bowl after like went on a great run after that. And then uh, 2010, um, as uh, 82 mentioned, um, was uh, the year it was at a Bengal Stadium. One of those Landry Jones battles. Oh, you just slowly squeaked out ahead. So that was pretty great. Um, but for this edition, we actually uh, we actually have kind of an old, uh, I don't want to say an old foe because it was only one game, but uh, Cincinnati's starting quarterback is Emory Jones, who you might remember from the 2020 Cotton Bowl uh, from his time at Florida. He went uh, six of eight of sixteen for eighty three yard or eighty six yards. Ran for sixty yards and a touchdown. Uh, OU won fifty five to twenty. Um, so yeah, Emory Jones is. Um, I don't know. This is his third stop. He was at Arizona State last year. I. He, I don't. I, I'm pretty low on Emory Jones as a whole, but he does have the characteristics of a quarterback OU traditionally struggles against. Um, mobile you know he, he he as we saw against obviously a very different version of OU's defense and speed D he torched OU in the past so um yeah I I think that's going to be an interesting um factor of this game containing him Emory Jones and um yeah just making sure he doesn't run wild on us yeah I think this is a good thing but with with Emory Jones specifically behind center, I think this is a game where defensively the big key to winning the game or to performing well defensively is going to be the linebackers, being able to contain and, and shut down that threat and then letting the secondary you know, make plays man-on-man or make plays in coverage um, to really you know, shut down their drives. I think you know, we would love to see the D-line really, really dial up pressure. I mean, this is like we just talked about with the T-line, the big question mark, this should be able to answer some of those questions, um, especially with a quarterback like this. Can we really put pressure, shut down options, or maybe force the game to get a little more one-dimensional when it comes to the quarterback um, through our D-line and then especially through our linebackers? So 
optimistic that it'll be the linebackers that, that shut that down because I think that's our strongest group that's able to to shut down that that threat. But yeah, it, it will certainly be um, interesting. But I'm not too worried about Emory Jones specifically. I mean, you're talking about a guy who ultimately lost his job to Anthony Richardson, who is not good. <laughs> so that is fair. That is fair. As noted. Well, uh, yeah, that's that's funny. Um, yeah, I overall, I, I don't want to say I don't want to sound cocky and say I'm like not too worried because uh, yeah, this is OU loses a game they're not supposed to every year, and this could be it. It very well could be. Uh, I don't think it will be. I think OU is just at a, at a different level. I think they're at a different level of focus after how bad last year was. Um, and I think they, I think they come through and put up a very uh, impressive performance uh, at Cincy. But it's going to be about controlling that pace of the game, controlling, c- controlling, you know, the crowd by preventing big plays, preventing big busts, um, and just just trying to defensively, you know, shut them down and offensively, just you know, perform at you know, the highest level. So, um, yeah, uh, another American, <laughs> our third straight American athletic conference game, uh, if this were last year. So very weird, yeah. very weird year, uh, to say the least. Um, but yeah, that's all I really have on, on, on Cincy in terms of, you know, from a football per, uh, perspective, Ty, any final thoughts before we yeah, I was get gonna to say, questions? I was going to say real quick, we, we typically don't touch on this very much. It's something that I think we need to do better actually on our, our game previews, but, um, since he on the other side of the ball, they're coming in with 10 interceptions and uh, 11 sacks, I believe. So it'll be interesting to see, obviously, since he has certainly played a different level of opponent than OU, they've already lost one, but it will be a, a little bit more interesting of a challenge for the offense as well. Obviously we're getting to the fourth game of the season. So those numbers are going to continue to, to grow for everyone as we face them going forward. But, since he does have um, some guys who can get interceptions and, and make plays happen, you know, we're not talking about those, just what is a quarterback doing? The interception just bounces off the defender's face mask and he snags it. There's, they have some playmakers uh, that can create turnovers here and there. Not a super significant threat, but it will also be a, a greater test on our offense than we've faced so far, I believe, as well. Absolutely. I think you're spot on um, because, I mean, I mean, just think of, Think of Cincy recently, you know, the days where they had, you know, we're, we're bringing out Sauce Gardner and all that. I mean, they don't have that level of talent, but at the same time, that, that core is still kind of there. It doesn't change that off that much in a couple years. So, yeah, I mm. think they'll um, – yeah, I think that defense, that's definitely a concern. And you're right, we do need to mention the other team's defense is more often. We're not invincible. So, uh, yeah, that's, that is a, a good note for sure. Um all right, let's kind of touch on some of the uh, live comments on YouTube. Just want to, you know, see what we've got going. A lot of talk earlier that kind of got mentioned about Paul Brown Stadium. Um, but there are a couple questions. And Ty, this one's for you. Mm. 1982 wants to know, uh, even though it's not your, uh, you know, famous cowboy hat, RIP to the cowboy mm. hat. Um, he's, uh, he's like an arrow, you, you ball cap. And also, uh, where did you find that? Because I, I, I love your, I like that hat yeah. too, by the way. I was admiring it earlier. Thank you, uh, everyone. Uh, this was a gift, actually. So I, I'm not sure where it originated from. Um, but this, I think it's the first time I've worn it, actually. But yeah, I fortunately, I cannot help you uh, there. Well, that's, that, that is a bummer, but that, that's all good. You know, it happens. I, if I see it, I'll let you know. Uh, but, um, anyways, uh, and then 82 also brings up uh, Marvin Mims. Great game today for the Denver Broncos. Have to give him a shout-out. Um, two catches, 116 yards, uh, touchdown, and a long pass of 60. He was great. Yeah, I, I'm definitely definitely reaching out to see if I can get him on waivers. So, um, And then the last one was, when will the Iowa State kickoff t- t- time be released? That'll be tomorrow at 10 a.m., uh, it's every two weeks out unless it gets deferred. So, yeah. Anyways, um, solid little solid little Q and A's. Definitely want to get to the people who answer or uh, you know ch- get involved with the, the uh, show and everything. But uh, yeah. So, um, Ty, any uh, final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? 
No, I'm excited. It it feels like this is the first time we're really going to see this OU team. So I'm I'm very very excited for this weekend. Yeah, it feels real. You know, like the when you have a like kind of weak non-con, it feels like preseason. And it's over. Let's get right to it. Let's let's see what this team actually is. Let's get into the real stuff. I'm I'm with you. And it'll be a nice challenge. Excited to see it. And uh yeah. So all right, Ty, that's all we got for this week. So, um, yeah, everyone who followed along with us live on YouTube, thank you so much for uh, watching, listening, and, uh, you know, being a part of this. We always appreciate it. Um, so make sure to, if you haven't yet, hit that like button. Give us a subscri subs subscribe to, the, to uh, the channel if you haven't already. I don't know why I'm falling apart. It's been a long Give day. Give us a subscribe. You subscribe. It's been a long weekend, man. I, that, I, I gotta say that that uh that Friday night took it out of me, and then Saturday, you know, it, it, it was a, it was one of those where I, I'm I uh I looked at I looked at myself I'm like I'm not I'm not young anymore. I'm 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 not a spring chicken. I'm 28. I can't I can't hang like this like I used to. So, um, but it was still just a fun road weekend. Tulsa Tulsa's a great time, and I hope I, I wish you played there more often um anyways and then yeah for the people listening on podcast thank you uh, for listening as well as always uh always appreciate your patronage as well but uh it's time 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 to enjoy the rest of our sunday so um until next wednesday or sorry until this wednesday when we uh, break out the weekend spread which should be a great week great conversation as always um have a good one boomer sooner everyone <laughs>